Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Well, greetings and welcome back to our series called The Lion Revealed, a study in the book of Revelation. We are going through verse by verse through Revelation right now. And today's message is called The Dragon Revealed. Turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. We all know that Satan is the great enemy of the church. He has been since its inception at Pentecost. Satan is relegated to working through humans in order to carry out his attack on God's people. Throughout history, we've seen him work through world leaders like that of the Roman Caesars, the pharaohs, more modern day would be Hitler, countless others who allowed a, were allowed a season in order to persecute Israel and God's church. Here in Revelation, we'll see Satan's work through Antichrist, Satan's world leader, and his false prophet who acts as his promoter or general on the earth. For the first three and a half years, this trio will appear to be on their way to a glorious victory, but after that, their reign of evil begins to fall apart. They promise peace and prosperity, but in the middle of the tribulation, violence and ruin awaits those who place their trust and hopes in this trinity of terror. It's interesting to consider some of history's demonic rulers. I think of Hitler and how he convinced so many Germans uh, that he had the answer to all their problems. But in the end, he brought about great destruction and death as more than 45 million people were killed during World War II, including 6 million Jews murdered, with the end goal being total annihilation of God's people. But God always protects his remnant of faithful followers. He has from the beginning. If you look back in the Old Testament, there's always a remnant that God keeps that survives and continues this nation that he loves so dearly. Over the next half hour or so, I'd like to use scripture to show you the dragon revealed through the trio of terror, the trio of terror. Let's jump right in as we look at number one, the dragon revealed. If you'd like to take notes, you can flip your bulletin over, follow along in the back. Number one is the dragon revealed. Let's begin by reading chapter 12. In Revelation. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven. These are not literal beings, but signs appearing as a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Now, the woman here is a familiar picture of the nation of Israel. Go way back in the Old Testament, and you'll find the story of Joseph and his 11 brothers. In a dream, the young man had Jacob 
of, um, or Israel, as he was called, uh, represented as the sun, we're told. The moon represented Joseph's mother. Rachel uh, was her name, and the 12 stars were the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is clearly the nation of Israel. And the child she birthed, of course, none other than that of Jesus, the Son of God. Verse 3, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems, crowns, on his head. We'll get further into this description of the dragon in the next chapter here. Verse 4, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and, th- and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child. Your, your, your Bible should have a capital C there. This is Jesus, of course. To devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. We've already heard this description of Jesus previously in Revelation. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Now this is a quick synopsis of Jesus' life here. Satan knew the plans for Jesus' birth into humanity, and he wanted to stop them. He needed to stop them if he was going to be victorious in his rebellion. He attempted to sever the line of Christ throughout the centuries before his birth, and when he couldn't stop the birth of Jesus, he worked through Herod in an attempt to have him murdered when he ordered every, every male child, you may remember, every male child under the age of two, this was Satan's idea working through Herod, he needed to stop Jesus from being born, not just being born, but carrying out his life and his mission. But God protected his son by sending them off to Egypt. Joseph and Mary took Jesus, and they spent time in, in um, Egypt until Herod had died. Then 33 years later, Satan thought he had finally scored his victory when he worked through Ju- Judas to have Jesus turned over for execution on a cross. But the devil had played right into God's hands when he helped facilitate the very means of our salvation. For Jesus' death brought the means of salvation to our lives. Our sin, which separated us from God, died with Christ. And when he conquered the grave, he assured that those of us who would call upon his name, the name of Jesus, would overcome death through his sacrifice. Previously, there was no way for us through death. There was no road. There was no way. There was no bridge that would span across death and get us into life until Jesus Christ made a way. And just as we sang, the saints overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And boy, do I want to chase a rabbit right now. I could just take that verse and we could just be here all night talking about the blood of the lamb and what that means and by the word of the testimony. And and that word, I'm going to follow the rabbit a little bit. I promise I'll return soon. But uh, in the Greek, this means 
to overcome and keep on overcoming. How do we overcome? By the blood of Jesus Christ, of course. And by, the, and by our, our word of testimony, which is, is to cry out to him. But, but it, it means to overcome and keep on overcoming. It means this is how we overcome in the world today. You, you may be a believer. You say, Pastor, I've already done that. Well, great, but keep overcoming. Every morning when you wake up, Remember, it's by the blood of Jesus Christ that you're saved and the word of your testimony. The word of your testimony is to keep giving God praise, keep giving Jesus glory through the day and thanking him. That's the word of a, of a believer's testimony that keeps on believing and keeps on testifying. And because Jesus lives, we who belong to him will live again now and after in this life forevermore in his presence and it's important to remember that salvation doesn't just start in heaven. You're not just saved for someday when you get to heaven. You're saved in the immediate moment. And Christ comes in. The Holy Spirit sets up house and shop in your life. And he'll lead you through this life. You have a mission to complete with your life. It doesn't start in heaven. It starts now. Verse 6, then the woman fled Israel fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. When the tribulation reaches the boiling point of wrath, God has prepared a place for a remnant of Jews to be safely protected and cared for for two and one half years. I'm sorry, it's three and a half years, isn't it? They will become the first fruits of God's salvation of this wayward nation. Where is this place of protection? Well, we're not told. But look up at the screen. This is a good possibility. Only God knows. Many believe it's in a place called Petra, and this is uh, the valley that leads in, the canyon that leads into Petra in the wilderness, uh, the country of Jordan, just on the other side of the Jordan River. Um, and whether this is the location or not, rest assured, God has an impenetrable and safe location. He's prepared for just these people and this pur purpose. Listen to how Satan will respond when this happens now. God puts his hands over the nation and goes, uh, 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 <laughs> you ain't touching these ones. Verse seven, and war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Listen, Satan is not God's equal opposite. It's important for you to understand that. Every believer should understand that. I occasionally see the meme. Have you ever seen this on Facebook or anywhere else where, where it shows supposedly Jesus Christ and the devil and they're, they're in this arm wrestling match. They both have gigantic biceps. They're both you know, putting their all into this and they're locked in a dead even match that they're fighting. The meme says something like Jesus is fighting for the church. 
What a blasphemous post. Revelation reveals the omnipotent lion of Judah in complete and utter control and dominion over everything. Every created thing is his. And that includes Satan because he's a created being. He's an angel who went awry, but Jesus owns him. There's no equality here. The devil is not the opposite of God or Jesus or the, tr the Trinity. If anything, he might be compared to Michael, the archangel, but because Michael fights in the power and the strength of our Lord, even that's a deceptive comparison. In Isaiah 14, 12, uh, we read about Satan and a third of the angels rebelling in heaven. They are cast out and cast down to the earth. However, Satan is allowed to visit into heaven. We see him doing that on occasion. Occasionally, we see him ridiculing the church and bringing accusations against the saints. Even now, he's doing that. But in this future story that's yet to happen, Satan is removed completely once and for all from heaven. This is a future battle in heaven, and the devil is finally locked out for good. And all God's people said, amen. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him, here we are, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, for you who dwell in them. God wins. God wins. So how can we experience this victory over the evil one? Well, first, by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. He purchased our pardon when he went to the cross in our place we who were guilty of sin, sentenced to eternal punishment in a place called hell, can now experience total forgiveness by turning from our life of sin and by surrendering ourselves to Jesus. Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. Someone had to shed their blood, and that someone is Jesus Christ. No one else could do it. Only God could do it. Because, you see, a human being can only die for themselves. I could die for my sin. I can't die for your sin. I can't bring you salvation. I can pay the penalty for my death, but that would mean eternal separation from God. So Jesus steps into humanity and history, and God became flesh, God became a man, and he went to the cross. He who knew no sin bore our sin and became sin, and it was nailed to a cross forevermore. Hallelujah. That's the only reason you and I can enter into the presence of the most holy God. And one day when we stand in heaven in front of Jesus Christ, and he throws his arms open and says, welcome. And we see those two holes in his palm of his hands will 
eternally be reminded that the only reason that you and I are there is because of him and we'll give him glory throughout eternity. So Satan is thrown down to earth, locked out of heaven, and his response is pure evil. I'm reminded of a two-year-old here. Verse 12, we continue. Woe to the inhabitants. That means look out. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. The devil knows the clock is ticking down. He knows he cannot change history. Jesus has won. He's conquered death. He is the victorious Savior. He can't change that. But what he can do is try to change your destiny and your place that you'll spend in eternity. And as a believer, he will try to take away your testimony. He doesn't want you sharing Christ with anyone. He wants you just to shut up and go to heaven. He can't change where your destiny is once you give your life to him, but he can try to stop you from talking about it. He knows he has a short time. Verse 13, now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman. Remember, the woman is Israel. He persecutes Israel who gave birth to the male child. Why? Because God loves. He has a special love for that country and that nation. Verse 14, but the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. It's a picture of God just lifting up the nation and protecting them as they flee to this place of safety, this refuge he has for them. He uh, he provides a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half time. Now that time is is one year, times is two years because it's plural, and a half time is a half year. So it's three and a half years from the presence of the serpent. So God just protects these people. Wherever it is, he's going to do that. Satan can't reach him. Satan is prevented from destroying the entire Jewish race. So he throws a temper tantrum in verse 15. And while heaven will rejoice when the devil is cast out of heaven, the earth will suffer greatly. At his arrival. Verse 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. As, as Israel flees to wherever she's going to be protected, Satan just throws everything he has at the nation of Israel. And, and John described it as a spewing out like water, like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Now, the terminology spewed out of his mouth possibly relates to him spraying out a flood of anti-Semitism like the world has never seen before. We're all familiar with anti-Semitism. It's been around since practically uh, the beginning, but Satan is going to take it up a whole notch. Satan hates Jewish people. He always has because of God's special love and his special care for them. And he releases his anger upon this nation and its people like never before. Verse 16, but the earth helped 
the woman. The earth helped Israel, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Now, who are the offspring that we're talking about? Well, this is the Gentile nations that, that are under Israel's, you know, to, the, to Israel first, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. So now he turns, and he turns on uh, the uh, believers, the Gentile Christ followers, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. When Satan is prevented from destroying every last Jew on the planet, he turns his anger upon mankind and the tribulation saints. You know, you remember, they're protected, but yet God allows Satan a time that he can kill them. And there will be tribulation saints at this time that are killed. We're looking at the terror, the trio of terror, and we've looked briefly at the dragon revealed. Now, now let's see number two, the Antichrist revealed. Antichrist revealed. Let's continue on now in chapter 13, verse 1. John speaking here. Then I stood on the sand of the sea. Now, the sand of the sea, the sea always represents Gentile nations in the word of God. So he is standing there. And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, so this is a Gentile beast, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. In Old Testament time, the Jews were wary of the sea. They didn't like it. They believed that it was an untamed and fierce place, that demons um, lived in the sea. So they didn't really like traveling the sea. And isn't it interesting, out of this terrifying place, a terrifying beast emerges known as Antichrist. He is referred to this way only five times in the entire Bible, all of them in John's epistles. Antichrist will arise from a Gentile nation and be a dynamic world leader. Uh, The horns signify power and dominion throughout the Bible. And so he will be very powerful. He will have influence on the entire world. The ten crowns on his horns signify that he is a political leader of ten powerful nations, possibly through something like the UN or, or the United States of Europe or something like that. Rome was famously known by the seven mountains that crowned um, Rome around the city there. And the prophet Daniel clearly reveals Rome as the Gentile host of these nations. So it will be a resurrected nation to its former glory. Of course, Rome is nothing like it was back in biblical times. They ruled the world. And once again, Rome will rise when Antichrist comes to power. These seven heads of seven countries under Antichrist will be known by their profanities against God. When Antichrist arises to power at the middle of the tribulation, he will move from the leader of seven nations to worldwide dominance at this, during this time. Keep in mind that Antichrist has brokered a seven-year peace between the Arabs and Israel, pretty much between the world and Israel, something that no one's been able to achieve. 
And this will bring him great fame and respect by the world leaders. However, halfway through, three and a half years now we're talking about, he will break his own treaty and all hell breaks loose at that point. During the first three and a half years with peace for the first time in modern Middle East history, Israel will rebuild her temple during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. They'll be allowed to rebuild their temple and and begin to to, build practice some of their spiritual, their ritual practices. They'll begin to do that. But from here on in, Antichrist will break his treaty after three and a half years, and he will set himself up as God in the temple there in Jerusalem and place Israel in a dangerous position in the world. Let's continue on in verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. This is, um, this is written in Daniel as well. Just the description is also in Daniel. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Satan is behind the scenes, um, and he's, he's playing the puppets. He's, he's leading the puppets here. Verse 3, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to his word.